I'm your host, Stephen Heiner, and on this episode, I'm joined by the regulars of Francis Watch, the creators of Francis Watch, His Excellency Bishop Donald Sanborn, Rector of Most Holy Trinity Seminary, Brooksville, Florida, and Father Anthony Chicada, Associate Pastor of St. Gertrude the Great, Catholic Church in Westchester, Ohio, and at least this week, Seminary Professor. Your Excellency and Father, thanks so much for joining us. I think it would be more accurate to say that we evolved rather than <laughs> created it. <laughs> It's true. It's true. We had to create. It was a necessity. It was a necessity to create. <laughs> right. So, and and there was some intelligent design involved, though. So <laughs> there was. There was a little bit. But we were originally monkeys, though. <laughs> <laughs> well dressed monkeys, I might I might say. But. Well, thank you. Yes. 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 Uh, we want to remind our listeners that this episode is free for the first 15 minutes to non-members to receive access to all Restoration Radio episodes. Please visit restorationradionetwork.org and go to the member area on the menu bar to find out details on becoming a member. If you'd like to purchase an individual episode such as this one, navigate to the available episode of your choice and simply click the link below the player on the page. After completing your purchase, you'll be emailed a secure download link. Restoration Radio episodes are syndicated on iTunes and Stitcher. If you are listening to our content on those platforms, please be sure to leave us ratings and reviews. This will help those who are searching for truly Catholic programming to more easily find our content. You can find the link to these two syndicates on our homepage. Well, listeners, we've returned from our third season, uh, third season break of this season, and we have witnessed the mania of Francis, uh, at least in the United States, for the last couple weeks. One of the articles that uh, Father Chicada had sent to us uh, quoted that it may be that the Beatles were consi- considered themselves more popular than Jesus, but Pope Francis is more popular than the Beatles. And it just seemed that there was a complete mania about it. And I spoke to strangers if I was on a flight next to them or if I was just uh, in chance conversation with them and they found out I was a Catholic. Francis came up almost immediately, and I'd be interested to to find out if His Excellency or or Father ran into that. But really, uh, we haven't seen anything like it since the days of the the JP2 We Love You uh, USA love-ins. But this was a whole new level. I mean, obviously, we have social media and everything pushing it, but what are your immediate reflections? And did you have any instances while you were traveling to chat with people about Francis and his visit? Well, I was hoping against hope that somebody would bring it up to me, but I didn't. Nobody said any. Well, one man in the airport did, and I, uh, he was uh, someone that promoted sexual perversions, and that I didn't think that he even believed in God, and that, <laughs> uh, that that he's an apostate, 
and mm-hmm. various other things. And uh, I think he wasn't expecting to hear that. But I didn't really get into any big discussion with anybody about it. Well, I, um, uh, as I was uh, in the airport in Dayton, um, preparing to fly down to, to Florida to teach my classes, uh, I saw a priest um, the uh, other side of the uh, waiting area. It was probably one of the priests from the uh, university in Dayton. There's a Catholic university in Dayton. And um, I figured if he uh said something to me, I would have to be ready with some sort of a remark. I know it comes as a surprise that I, I oh, make uh, <laughs> yes, uh, undiplomatic remarks, but if he asked me uh, what I thought of Bergoglio, my response was, I hear he's going to abolish the Sixth and Ninth Commandments. <laughs> but so unfortunately, you didn't get a chance to use that line. And, <laughs> no, but uh, uh, amusingly enough, as I was thinking about this, uh, there was a man who was sitting behind me who was um, uh, having a discussion with, uh, I think, some, some sort of a Hispanic or Mexican um, a Protestant uh, who was engaging him on the, uh, on the book he was reading. And uh, the uh, Protestant was... Uh, uh, saying essentially you Catholics sort of uh, complicate things, it seems, about um, uh, Jesus. And I don't understand what you're talking uh, about uh, when you're talking about the historical Jesus. And, of course, my ears perked up uh, at that because this, this Catholic man had apparently been talking uh, about that, and the Protestant was quite shocked uh, quite shocked with it. So naturally, being shy, I turned around and uh, I said to the Protestant man and the Catholic, that business about the historical Jesus is nonsense. And uh, the Catholic held up a book he was reading and said, well, I read it in here, and it was a book by John Dominic Crossan. And I said, that man is an apostate priest and a heretic. You should throw it in the garbage. <laughs> so, <laughs> but it, it was it was an interesting incident because it, it was uh, I suppose it's a Vatican II moment because you had a Protestant um, uh, who believed in sacred scripture uh, reproaching a Catholic for coming up with these crazy theories uh, theories that mm-hmm. essentially are based on modernism. So it's condemned and prescendy. Yeah, it was it was sort of symbolic. So, um, uh, but in any event, the Catholic man was quite chagrined and apologized. Actually, so he said it was a book he had just picked picked up. And I said, well, you're lucky because if I had been a nun and had a ruler, you would have gotten it right on the knuckles here. <laughs> so he was quite amused by that. So it ended in a friendly note, but. Uh, that's the sort of stuff that uh, you run into these days. Well, and as it's actually uh, shameful to be Catholic. I mean, it's a horrible thing to say, but when you when you wear the the priest's uh, uh, clothing, you get associated with all of that garbage that is coming out of the mouth of Bergoglio. And unfortunately, we are the only ones that wear the, that clothing. That is traditional priests. The others are in, in secular clothes. 
And so people look at us and associate that denial of even the Holy Gospel with us. It, it's shameful. It's, uh, you know, it's certainly, you know, it, I say that, you know, it, 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 to be understood in the, the correct sense, that in the eyes of the world, they represent Catholicism. And, yeah, and it's it, a shameful it, thing. It is a shameful thing. And uh, I just had that come up. Uh, today, with uh, regard to Francis, there was a um, woman who was telling me about uh, her kid who is in a, a private school that is uh, filled mostly with conservative Protestants. And um, uh, the she said that uh, her kid is getting all sorts of questions about the unorthodox things that Bergoglio says, which is, yes. uh, it's, it's awful. It's awful. Yes. Yes. Well, and I, I, my own, uh, of course, I don't have a collar when I uh, walk around, so people don't necessarily associate that with me. But I, you know, you have chance conversations with someone on a plane, and I was sitting next to an avowed atheist, or at least a confessed atheist. And so I'm an atheist, I don't believe it. Says, but you know who I like is this Pope Francis guy. And mm-hmm. I said, what are you talking about? He said, he said, you know, he's just telling everybody. He used some more colorful language, which I can't use on Francis Watch because this is a family show. But he said, you know, mm-hmm. he's, uh, he's looking at all these traditions and he's, he's basically saying, oh, I don't believe in any of that. And I thought, this is some atheist telling me that Francis. Mm-hmm. Really, I said, that, that's interesting that you observe that. And, you know, what does that mean to you? He says, oh, I'm, you know, he says, I'm an atheist. I'm, I'm not going to believe in, in God because of him, but I, I like what he's doing. He's shaking things up. So that was the atheist take. Then I had a Novus Ordo Catholic uh, classmate. Um, we, I, I've, been, I've been visiting the United States the last couple of weeks, and I'm, I've been visiting with some people. And she, she had said, "Aren't you? Aren't you? Don't you? Uh, don't you think that he's doing some?" I know she's like, "I know you're a set of a contest, Stephen, but don't you think he's doing something great? He's getting people excited about being Catholic again." I said, "He's getting people about what?" I said, "What are they getting excited about?" I, I felt, because she wasn't some chance acquaintance, she was a friend, I felt I could be a bit more forceful with her. And I said, what, what is he getting people excited about? Said, oh, you know, um, you know, loving people and caring about them and being nice to your neighbor. I said, so that's what being Catholic's about, is being a good person. She's like, yeah, you know, not judging mm-hmm. people. I said, that's, mm-hmm. um, that's probably as far as this conversation could go. I said, we could get into a much longer conversation if, if you want to, you know, ruin this part of the dinner. But uh, I know that you're really excited about it, so we can either talk about it some other time, or we can talk about something else. We did end up t- chatting about it a bit more, but again, two reactions: one from an atheist who really likes Francis, so I think I think there's an atheist for Francis like Facebook group or something like that. And then um, <laughs> I, I, I'm not kidding; I really, I really think I really think there is. And then there's this this girl who's a Novus Ordo Catholic who's, who's fired up by the whole thing. So. Um, this leads to the question that Newsweek asked, which you and Father Chicada have been asking for years, Your Excellency, uh, but your answer is in the negative. Um, is the Pope mm-hmm. Catholic? This is a secular mm-hmm. magazine asking this question. Now, I thought that the article, it's rather long. Um, it's, it was, uh, it was, it, you can find it uh, at newsweek.com and just, or, or uh, do a Google search, is the Pope Catholic Newsweek? And you'll find this article it really was an opportunity to go after the bishop in San Francisco. And they used him as a quote-unquote conservative counterpoint to Bergoglio. 
And in, in that sense, it wasn't as helpful, but the sort of glossy over, uh, the glossy overs of Francis are very revelatory. Um, now, Father Chicada pointed out that Bergoglio gave his own answer to this question. Um, and you can tell us a bit about that, Father. Well, you know, uh, as usual, he had a garrulous press conference on the plane, which uh, these are always very interesting to read. And uh, coming over from uh, coming over from uh, uh, Cuba, he was asked about this because obviously this has been the in the press everywhere. The, the guy who asked him was a, a reporter for uh, an Italian paper, uh, and. Uh, then, in response to this question, Bergoglio uh, said that a uh, cardinal friend of his uh, told him a little uh, anecdote, uh, asking him if it was true that in the Bible they spoke of an antichrist, and she explained it to him, and also in the Apocalypse. And then if it was true that an antipope was an anti, uh, uh, the antichrist could be an antipope. So the idea is that he raised the issue and, uh, of course, naturally poo-pooed it uh, because he said, well, her position was based on the idea that he didn't wear red shoes, uh, which, of course, is silly. But the idea is that he brought up the topic that people are saying he's an antichrist and an antipope. And that mm-hmm. you know his, his rising is uh, you know something predicted by the apocalypse, and uh, this shows the extent I think uh, to which the uh, the uh, idea is being sort of noised around. It's even gotten to the point where he feels that he has to say something about it, at least blow it off with a joke. Maybe we should invite him onto this show. <laughs> hey, sure. Uh, <laughs> I mean, you know, that's that's what we talk about. You know, that he's sure. an anti pope. Whether well, well, he's an anti pope or not. Well, he <laughs> says that he said at the end of it this remark. Well, you know, uh, if necessary, I'll recite the creed. Well, it, my thought on that was that uh, I don't want to hear you recite the creed. I want to hear you explain the creed <laughs> because that's that's where the problem is. Anyone can recite it. <laughs> But what you understand you a, by it is, is you a problem. You can get a parrot from the jungles of Brazil to recite it. Yeah. So, um, so this is being noised abroad. They they talk of him uh, about Francis as being the people's pope. That was the latest thing. But I mean, from some of the stuff we've seen, he could also be called the atheist pope. You know, his 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 <laughs> press is so good there. Mm. <laughs> I mean, it was it was wall to wall coverage when he was here. I don't know if you were out and about, but if I if I went to 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 the store or wherever I was going, there was something on the television. It was it was just full coverage. So it was uh, Francis mania while he was here. Now, as part of part of that ongoing reflection, some someone had remarked that this uh, this election was by a cabal of people who had been engineering it for a while and had failed earlier and they during the Ratzinger election, they had failed to get Bergoglio in, but then they got Bergoglio in this time. Uh, and Rorate had this story. What did you make of that, Father Chicana? 
Well, it, uh, they uh, wanted to show, and I think succeeded in, in, in showing, that uh, Bergoglio was, in fact, the uh, candidate for uh, um, a really uh, fundamental change in the post-Vatican II Church. And he was the one whom the um, uh, left wing, as it were, the more revolutionary wing of the, Pope, uh, of the post-Vatican II Church, saw as a good candidate to get their program across. I suppose that uh, not all that much was uh, known about him by a number of the people who uh, did, uh, a number of the cardinals who voted for him uh, at uh, the conclave. But the people who were um, pulling the levers, the the more pro- progressive wing certainly knew what they were doing. You had uh, uh, Cardinal, um, uh, it was sort of the the uh, uh, Cardinal Mar- Martini group. Martini has since died, but he was was known to be uh, more on the left. Involved were the were Car- was Cardinal Daniels. He, he, he was one, and then uh, several others who supported uh, more uh, radical change. Casper, uh, Cardinal Lehman, Cardinal Silvestrini, uh, etc. Now, the interesting thing is that that uh, uh, about this is conspiracy theories in the Italian press uh, seem to be sort of a dime a dozen. Uh, it, it, it conspiracies seem to be sort of like their their equivalent of baseball in Italy, and, and, and uh, 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 speculating about them. But the source for this was um, actually was a Belgian, uh, Jurgen Metten Pennigan, who is a, um, a very uh, uh, reliable, serious uh, Belgian academic. And uh, he, he was the one who uncovered this first, and then it was uh, reported in the Italian papers. So there's something, uh, there's definitely something to this, that uh, there's a, a group that wanted to set up Bergoglio to push forward their program. Don't forget Martini and Bergoglio were both Jesuits. Our yes. One war, yes. Uh, the uh, but yes, Martini uh, represented the candidate of the left, but un- you know, unfortunately for them, uh, he got sick and died. But uh, if you see some of his writings and some of the things that he did, uh, they were quite bold. Remember that he had uh, Versace uh, uh, buried from the Milan Cathedral. Uh, oh yes, that's right. Remember that? And uh, the, you know, yes, that's right. Were the, there, all those quote unquote friends and all. Uh, yes, yes, I mean that yes. was a shocking thing at the time. Now <laughs> it would be, you know, something conservative. But the uh, that was very shocking that you know the, that known homosexual was buried uh, from the Milan Cathedral. That was Martini. Hmm. Mm-hmm. If you're uh, wanting to look a little bit more at this story, listeners, you can uh, search for. La Stampa and Marco Tosati. He was the writer. Uh, Rorate has an English translation. And they have a disclaimer uh, down below that uh, the um, biographers are now trying to, to walk this back. And they have all caps. This will not go away. It will deepen. It will not go away. <laughs> you know, this is, of course, on the right hand, they've got, um, on the right hand margin, they've got a Francis Prane. I think that's in St. Mary Major. Uh, but here they're trying to make sure this will not go away, this conspiracy that he was elected by a bunch of liberals. 
uh, Marate, uh, no intellectual coherence whatsoever. Um, on the uh, ch children be advised portion of today's uh, podcast, uh, Novus Ordo Watch had a note on the lector. Uh, so um, I might say, JP2 and your, your topless African lector, eat your heart out. Because uh, Francis, <laughs> Francis has a new one on you, and um, your excellency, did you, did Actually, you hear? Well, correction, story? correction. Go back to JP too. She was an American student, mm. and that was in uh, like Indonesia, someplace. Uh, she was uh, an American student, okay. and oh. and just just back up on that. You know, she she was not in native dress, so to speak. <laughs> or native undress, as it might be. Right. Yeah. Um, so, anyway, but go ahead. Let's proceed with uh, Mr. B. Well, I was going to ask you, you: Do you know about this story about this lector uh, at his uh, at the papal ceremony? Yes. Yes. That that uh, that he was the lector, and that he's a you know known uh, homosexual, uh, and you know the, the picture is there on Nova Sorda watch, which is absolutely disgusting. Uh, with his friends in, in basically their underpants, and uh, uh, if even that, I don't know. I mean, I, you know, uh, <laughs> it's left to your imagination. But the uh, you know, it, it again, this is one of the. He has done this so many times. If you make a list of all of the things that he has done uh, in favor of this sexual perversion. It's it's appalling. I mean, he was holding hands with the homosexual activist priest as he's going into a church. He wore the uh, the watch band, the rainbow watch band, and there was a picture of it. And you know that he arranges those things. There was a picture of it uh, in you know in some ceremony in June when typically they have all of their their ceremonies. You know, you know their their demonstrations uh, and many many other ways. Uh, you know the. Uh, if you just make a list, uh, you, the only thing you can conclude is that he is in favor of homosexual activity, that, that, that this is something legitimate for him, and that, that they, you know, people who engage in that sort of activity should be accepted just like anyone else. Uh, yeah, and, and it's... And it's the, the latest thing today, you simply cannot keep up with Bergoglio. Uh, the uh, latest thing today just um, uh, that came out just a few uh, hours before we started to record this program is he, uh, after he uh, received that lady from Kentucky, who uh, supposedly was the great uh, uh, hero of the anti-gay marriage campaign, uh, then he received uh, one of his students, uh, one of his former students from uh, Argentina, uh, with his uh, so-called family. That's what the press um, uh, release said, but uh, actually it was the guy's boyfriend. And there are pictures of him now on Rorate with uh, uh, a beaming Bergoglio. And it, mm -hmm. it is, it's absolutely, you, uh, 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 it's so astounding. As I say, it's, it's as if there is a, a state of a contest in the uh, basement of the Vatican uh, making up <laughs> insane things for this guy to do. Uh, the, it, is, it is so outrageous. And Rorate points out that uh, he said this is the 
defining image of the pontificate. He says that, they, they, <laughs> that uh, uh, first they uh, claimed it would be the Marxist crucifix, but uh, Bergoglio with his, his student and the boyfriend, and then in the background of one of the pictures, you have uh, facing one way is uh, John the Twenty Third, a picture of John yeah. the Twenty Third, yeah. and facing the other yeah. way is Pius the Twelfth. Yes. yes, I saw that. So yes. the Pius the Twelfth is the only one in the picture who doesn't have a smile. <laughs> now, now the uh, also it said that the meeting with Kim Davis, who was the uh, clerk in Kentucky, that was not meant to be an approval. Whereas absolutely nothing was said about the meeting with the uh, the student, the old student, and his boyfriend. See, there was, now clarify, there was clarify no what you mean by that, Your, Your Excellency. There, there was a statement. Well, yes? that there was no, well, there was no statement to say that. Well, there the, that was not meant to be an approval of the fact that he's living with a man. <laughs> exactly. There was absolutely no no qualification of of the of that meeting with the, the old student and the boyfriend, whereas there was a big qualification concerning the meeting with Kim Davis. Here the woman goes to him thinking he's the defender of marriage. He will be happy that, by the fact that I am standing up for marriage. And then the rug is pulled out from under her. As if to say, you know, you're wrong to do this. I mean, what else can you conclude from... The fact that the Vatican would come out and, and say well, that was not meant to be an approval. What can you conclude from that except that she's doing the wrong thing? Right, and if the press release didn't communicate that, it didn't communicate that attitude to her. Certainly, if word got out to her that he had met with some homosexuals either before or after meeting with her, then she just sees him as a politician. I mean, obviously, I don't think the lady's any kind of Catholic. But ostensibly, he, this would be an opportunity for her to see that Catholicism is all about standing up for something, except he goes and undermines his own action of outreach to her right. by, by meeting with this guy. So even if he was trying to do something on, on, on behalf of evangelizing for Catholicism, he would undermine his own message. And as I say, again, JP2, eat your heart out. I mean, all he's got is kissing the Koran. But this guy, this guy in one year, he's got uh, communist crucifixes. He's got homosexual electors. He's got all sorts of things. I mean, I mean, yeah. JP too. I mean, if he was a saint and it took him, you know, 30 something years, Bergoglio, Santo Subito, now. I mean, he's, yeah. he's rising yeah. to heights that JP too couldn't ever dream of. Um, well, uh, another thing reflecting on, on these two incidents together is the the, um, the former student and then um, this Kim Davis, the Kentucky clerk lady. Is it was interesting to see that the uh, conservatives uh, immediately tried to jump on the Kim Davis issue. Uh, trying to grasp for the straw that this was a sign that, well, uh, this is what Bergoglio meant by, you know, respecting religious liberty and and, and um, uh, embracing the, the the program of the the bishops in the United States. And uh, what a, what a wonderful thing this was to uh, uh, you know receive this this heroic woman. Um, and the uh, reaction, of course, from the progressives was to be appalled that Bergoglio did such a thing. That uh, you know he would uh, uh, 
received this woman who had all of these these uh, awful politically incorrect, psychologically harmful ideas. But it, it's interesting to see that that uh, the um, that uh, both sides uh, really at a at a broad level uh, don't seem to understand what Bergoglio is up to. That uh, you know the Kim Davis thing was uh, a bone that was thrown essentially to the conservatives to kind of keep them distracted, but then the other thing came out, and so that's um, the the um, the former student thing came out, and uh, it, it it should illustrate to the conservatives the fact that this man is is not Catholic, and you can't uh, be under illusions about his different symbolic gestures. Yeah, I, I think it's worse than that. I I think that uh, the Kim Davis was presented to him probably without even his knowledge. Where mm-hmm. and the fact that they would go back and say, "Well, we, uh, you know, we're not approving of Kim Davis," but as a matter of fact, he received his old homosexual friend and the boyfriend. Because that is to say, effectively, you know, it was a faux pas, and we're trying to correct it. We're saying that he's in favor of the homosexual unions, and that this woman is not doing the right thing. I think that's uh, why would they say anything? You see, it's, it's the Vatican that put out that he met his old uh, homosexual friend. Yes, that's right. Yeah. You know, I mean, so there was a, you know, and you know, I think it came right down from Bergoglio that he did not want the reputation of favoring that woman who is leading a, a charge against homosexual marriage. He doesn't want to be associated with her. And so he says, I'm not associated with her, but in fact, I met my old buddy and his, and his boyfriend. I mean, how clear can it be? Yes, that's right. That's right. You know, that they would go to all that trouble. Well, yes. And the, president, mm-hmm. and the president made his position clear as well. He was at a, uh, a homosexual fundraiser, and he made it clear that people's religious rights do not trump civil rights. And he's clarifying his position. Yeah, he's taking pictures with uh, Francis and all that, but he's still, at least to Obama's credit, making sure that he's clarifying his position. Whereas Francis doesn't come out to say anything along the lines of, well, you know, religious freedom, whatever that means, should stand for something in America. But instead, he just smiles, takes pictures, you know, chats with everybody. Great politician. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yes, I saw that as well. Obama was very clear that the uh, uh, you know the principles that he's operating under, and that uh, religion in effect ends up being subservient to the state. You know, you you can say things in private, uh, etc. But uh, your your actions have to be uh, uh, governed by adherence to the uh, supremacy of the state. Great religious freedom, isn't it wonderful? Hmm. Well, I started to look at the the next segment we're going to be discussing in today's program, which is the the new annulment rules. And I I at once felt both uh, marvel and repulsion at what's going on, because it, it, I thought potentially it was a, a move of a great statistician, uh, or st- I'm sorry, st- st- strategist, a great strategist. But the reality is, 
as Father Chicada always points out, he's making a mess, right? And when you have a toddler throwing things off of a table, there's lots of things going on at once. So it has nothing to do with necessarily some great chess strategy on his part, but rather he is setting so many fires in so many places that there's no way to concentrate your fire on him. So you have him setting fires on the homosexual issue. You have him setting fires on the annulment issue. You have him setting fires on the SSPX reintegration issue. Uh, you have him undermining Catholic doctrine in the gospel. He has so many problems that you really, and this is a challenge for us on Francis Watch, every month we spend two hours doing new news stories. We're never doing old stories. We're always doing new things, and we always run out of time to cover everything that, uh, that Father has done research on in that month. And so this is another fire that he's starting. Uh, the, the advent of what has been in the blogosphere and in the press, Catholic divorce. Um, Your Excellency Father, would you like to walk us through these, these modu proprios and what the process was and what, uh, what the implications are? So what uh, Francis did is he issued two motu proprios uh, on uh, annulment procedures. And uh, basically to uh, simplify and, and uh, reduce what went on, uh, in effect, uh, what he did is radically uh, reduce the um, such protections as there were in favor of the uh, validity of, of, of uh, marriages. In, in canon law, marriage always enjoyed what was called the favor of law, and uh, that is to say that uh, marriages were presumed valid. A Catholic marriage was presumed valid until you uh, positively, positively proved uh, the contrary. And that was so. That was a procedure that was very difficult to do, as we pointed out. The the, the uh, small number, for instance, of annulments that were granted in the United States, uh, because the uh, grounds for annulment uh, included or uh, generally were limited to questions of of uh, uh, internal. Uh, uh, assent and consent of uh, the contracting parties of the marriage. So, because you're talking about something that is essentially uh, internal, it was uh, uh, very difficult to prove the uh, that the minimum conditions for contracting the sacrament of matrimony were not present. That changed after Vatican II, uh, especially in the United States. And the procedures were considerably uh, liberalized, and the need for uh, an anno- uh, a, a, a second uh, uh, examination of the uh, annulment that was um, uh, removed uh, until the uh, uh, coming of the, the uh, new code of canon law in 1983. Well, what happened is um, Bergoglio with his his new legislation uh first of all took away in most cases the need to uh, appeal uh to a second tribunal a marriage that is considered uh, that was found to be invalid at the first level so that was one major change and uh the prediction from canonists 
in the United States is this will result in an uh, enormous number of annulments being granted. But the uh, other wild card that Bergoglio introduced is a, a type of procedure where an annulment case doesn't have to be heard by a canonical tribunal, but can just be heard by the bishop of the diocese. And the, the bishop of the diocese uh, can rely exclusively, uh, if he wishes, on the testimony of, of the two parties to the marriage, uh, whereas before you had to have an outside proof. And Bergoglio uh, instituted a whole number of, of uh, grounds under which the simplified procedure could be used. And uh, there, uh, a number of the grounds were, were never heard heard of before in the church. For instance, the idea that uh, the uh, marriage could be annulled uh, on the basis, let's say, of uh, a pregnancy before the marriage. That was one of the uh, uh, suggested grounds. Or uh, a lack of faith. And lack of faith was never seen as a uh, the part of one of the contracting parties as grounds for annulling a marriage. So there's this whole long list of stuff uh, that uh, makes it easy to use this this uh, new streamlined procedure, as it were. And then at the end of the list, he has the word or the expression, etc., so uh, uh, the canonists um, in the new church uh, were, abs- were and are absolutely horrified by this because it, it occurred to the conservatives among them that he, the Bergoglio opened the door for more and more uh, annulments, millions of annulments. And indeed, the man who formulated the new procedure, Monsignor Pinto, uh, said that, well, the idea was, in fact, to give out more annulments and to make it a lot easier. So that's what's going to happen. Your Excellency, do you have any reflections on this? Uh, just that, uh, I mean, uh, yes, everything that Father Chicago said is a good summary of it. The uh, We are a little less in this country uh, shocked by it because we have been living with this since the 1970s with 50,000 annulments per year. Uh, And uh, this makes it even more liberal than uh, the the indult, so to speak, that uh, was given to the United States back in the 70s to run these annulments through very quickly. Uh, This makes it even more liberal. Uh, But the uh, people in Europe are, are taken aback by it. But, you know, these are... These are people who are not in contact with reality concerning Vatican II. Vatican II's principal error is the primacy of conscience over dogma. Once you apply that to everything in the Catholic Church, this is just one more moment, one more aspect of putting conscience over dogma, putting, putting the subjective over the ob- uh, objective. If you think your your marriage is is null, then it's null. That's essentially what it is. So you know these conservatives, uh, you know they they I get a little impatient with them. I wake up. I mean, fifty years of this, and you still haven't figured it out. Uh, you know, it's just more of the same. That's all. I think for for us, it's 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 different perhaps your excellency and father we're looking at it a bit more intellectually we're just you know dismissing like 
well, you can you can get divorce, you can get an annulment over an abortion. I mean, this is all, we're 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 looking back at the intellectual inconsistency of things. But what I'm horrified about as I'm reading it is that there are people who are in valid marriages who are going to look at this and use it as potentially a trapdoor or an exit stage left of their marriage. Right. So this is, you know, someone who's in a valid marriage and they see this moto proper and they're like, Oh, well, I guess I've got opportunities to get out if I want. And that's the sort of horrifying side effect. It purports to be uh, for people in a horrible situation, but what it does is it unlocks a really terrible Pandora's box. Um. Uh, yes, indeed, that's that's exactly it, because um, all of these uh, principles are eventually uh, uh, discussed and put in some sort of a uh, popular form and discussed in the um, uh, mainstream Novus Ordo press. So uh, it will give people ideas that, well, you know, if, if I'm, I have difficulties in uh, my marriage, um, why should I bother really to... Uh, resolve them and to worry about them because uh, the bishop can annul my marriage and he's supposed to annul it in in 30 or 45 days. And um, uh, this is, uh, then this becomes a possibility for me to give up on my marriage. So you're entirely right. Well, I'm just thinking I I don't think it even I don't think it even deserves as much uh, that as much discussion that as we are giving it, I think it's a joke. Mm-hmm. It's just uh, uh, an absurdity, uh, and they're trying to call it, uh, you know, a, a, some sort of Catholic annulment process. It, it is just the abandonment of the sacrament of matrimony. Why don't they just call it that? Well, you're not. Well, that's something that conservatives should realize. You know, it's and I think uh, you know, a good number of them uh, looking at this stuff. Are are in fact horrified, but they should draw the logical conclusion, mm-hmm. which they never draw. Yeah, alas. Well, we have a, an old uh, an old uh, person in, uh, who uh, comes up a lot in Francis Watch. Dimitei wrote an article, uh, which Father um, think too, as well uh, as some other canonists. Father, can you summarize? There's lots of there's been a lot of pushback in the quote-unquote conservative uh, blogosphere on these motu proprios. Can you summarize two or three of the points they're making in opposition and under what grounds and by what principles they're opposing a motu proprio from the man they consider to be the vicar of Jesus Christ on earth? Well, they openly speak of it. Many of these, these writers in Canada speak of it as Catholic divorce because the uh, uh, for the two reasons, because of the, the ridiculous grounds that uh, now are uh, permissible to annul a marriage, uh, a list that in fact is open-ended, and secondly, that the uh, procedure is, is so summary and so quick and can be conducted by the diocesan bishop. So they um, uh, came to at least the correct conclusion on uh on that point, and you have some of them saying that the legislation overturns the uh, 
normal presumption in church law that theoretically existed, even under the Vatican II system, that a marriage is presumed to be valid until the contrary is proven. So uh, you have people who are attuned to these issues who say that, yes, this is... um, uh, this is, in fact, Catholic divorce that is uh, coming on, uh, coming in under the uh, guise of a streamlined procedure. So th- that, uh, in effect, uh, what will be established is that these bishops, that the diocesan bishop, will um, have the responsibility for cranking out uh, as many of these um, uh, phony annulments as possible. And this is what the um, conservative, uh, the conservative Novo Soto canonists and press see, seem to say, and they, they seem to be horrified by it. I mean, you might as well, uh, you might as well have a drive-through window in the uh, chancery offices for the bishop to hear these things, because they're supposed to be um, uh, done extremely expeditiously. So, uh, you know, thank heaven that at least people are, are realizing that. One of the other uh, writers in the uh, that we quote is, is uh, uh, Sandra Magist- uh, Magister, whom we um, cite a lot. He said, well, it's forbidden to call it a divorce, but it sure looks like it. And that is the impression that people are giving. As you say, Father, the, the, title, the title says it all. And yeah. it's interesting, yeah. again, Bergoglio laying the seeds of this, it was said that in that, in that Sandro Magister article, um, the, this, this uh, Bishop Demetrios Salakas, Apostolic Exarch of Athens for Greek Catholics of the Byzantine Rite, pointed out this other innovation of the motu proprio, quote, as it seems to me, this is the first time that a pontifical document of a juridical nature has had recourse to the patristic principle of pastoral mercy called oikonomia among the Orientals to address a problem like that of the declaration of the nullity of marriage, unquote. Magister goes on to say, evidently, Pope Bergoglio also had this result in mind when two years ago he said during the fight from Rio to Rome, the Orthodox follow the theology of economy, as they call it, and they give a second chance of marriage, comma, they allow it. I believe that this problem must be studied. The theology of economy, well, it's a new one. Yeah, the, uh, uh, I, uh, I believe that we uh, latched onto that in a previous Francis Watch when we talked about his, his interview coming back from uh, Brazil from uh, youth day with the, with the beach ball. And he had a, uh, this was something that he said in, um, uh, in his, his, his conference on the plane coming back. So obviously uh, what has happened is uh, he has caused this particular idea to be included uh, in the, um, uh, in his his uh, uh, motu proprio on the annulment processes. So it, once again, it, you know, two years ago it was clear that he was going ahead. In fact, it was was uh, uh, October, I think, that that we we talked about this when he was coming back from Brazil. And it's it's clear what his program is, and now we see it it uh, being implemented. That he's not put this stuff aside. 
Well, and this is, again, a prelude to what's going on, that he's creating this mess, he's creating this this foment and 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 mess and it's it's coming back and obviously marriage is is one battleground and he started the path to it's october now your excellency and father we've been talking about this on francis watch pretty much all season and you both uh, i wouldn't necessarily say made predictions but you've talked about what you think could happen here at the synod and now we see that the pushback is at its highest pitch prior to the Synod. We've been seeing a lot of popularity and blogs pop up in response. I, you know, I think it's, this is coming up on 10 years that True Restoration has been in existence. And we came, in, we came into existence around the same time as Rorate did, probably as this part of group of new traditionalist blogs. It's, same thing's happening now. There's a group of blogs you could say resistance blogs, can we call them that, that are openly criticizing Francis and either explaining how he's still the Pope and people need to get over it, or really taking him down, um, even though they consider him to be the vicar of Jesus Christ on earth. And uh, Father, I think there was, uh, there was an article from the Washington Post, whose titled Conservative Dissent is Brewing. So already this phenomenon has made it, you know, into the secular press, and it's it's uh, become now fairly widespread. If you've got the Washington Post uh, discussing it, that means uh, a, an awful lot of people are uh, uh, talking about it. So the the Post gives you gives a survey of of uh, what it calls the uh, the conservative uh, uh, rebellion. But it uh, is perceptive when it points out that, that Bergoglio uh, is backing the progressive wing who uh, are pressing for radical change. So, and also they point out that he is allowing a type of, of, of uh, uh, open debate, as it were, as to how far the reforms can go. So this, this is to egg people on and, and as it were, to, to make more of a mess, more of a uh, revolution. And this is, this is what he has, in fact, uh, uh, what we said he would encourage, and now which we see the Washington Post uh, confirm that uh, uh, he's doing. But one of the things... Uh, People who was interviewed by the Washington Post has uh, said that, uh, quote, defending the real teachings of the church makes you look like an enemy of the Pope. Uh, this was a, a senior Vatican, uh, Vatican official. Uh, quote, we have a serious issue right now, a very alarming situation, where Catholic priests and bishops are saying and doing things that are against what the church teaches, talking about same-sex unions, uh, about communion for those who are living in adultery, uh, this Vatican official said, and yet the Pope does nothing to silence them. So the inference is that this is what the Pope wants. And of course, that's precisely it, that the people who are um, uh, promoting this program are sort of encouraged in uh, the boldness that, uh, uh, of, of uh, the positions that they take. Um, one of the things that, that uh, the Post points out that uh, I, in fact, have, have noticed is that the, the code word 
used in conservative, some conservative circles is uh, confusion. That, well, now with Francis, there seems to be confusion. But, uh, in fact, the, the code word seems to mean that Francis is the one who is causing the confusion. So you have um, the uh, conservative reaction, which we, this we've talked about extensively before. We need not belabor it, uh, I guess, with Burke uh, and uh, Car- uh, Cardinal um, Kafara and the books being written warning about the uh, uh, problems with the Synod, the African Cardinal Sara uh, uh, writing a, a book that has uh, just been translated into uh, Germany, into German. So uh, this, is the kind of, this is the kind of pushback that, uh, that he, he's getting. So, and it's come into the, the notice of the secular press. And uh, this is the, a uh, big story, and it's, it's gaining momentum with every crazy thing Bergoglio does. Well, and your Excellency, Dr. Uh, Dr. Matei points out that this could, the loosening of annulment rules, as you say, it's quite regular for Americans, but for the rest of the world, uh, it, it's, a, it's a, more of a shock. He, say, he says that there could be many more annulments, in fact, millions of annulments. Do you see a drastic uptick in annulments because of this new documentation and of what the oh, Senate might bring us? Sure, absolutely. There'll be a tremendous uptick in, in, in that. Uh, I, to me, it's just uh, I don't see why there, there's such a reaction to it. I mean, it, it's it, this is just one more stone to fall down from the edifice and and it just ha- makes matrimony into a joke but they've made everything else into a joke just as much so I, I don't see the the big import of it i mean the conservatives are are uh, uh you know very upset about it how can this be but it's as if this man up to now has been pious at 12 it is this it is this, <laughs> as if the council uh never took place and you know isn't this shocking and 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 you know, why are you so upset? I mean, we've, we've been living fifty years with this stuff, and and you know topless lectors and kissing Korans and what what is your problem that they're dismantling marriage, and they dismantled it in this country years ago. That was one of our controversies with the Society of Saint Pius X, and they did not understand it. And at the time, I didn't understand it either. You see, in Europe, they still had the quote-unquote conservative way of giving annulments. In, in in our country, they were giving out fifty thousand a year. You could you know get the drive-through annulment. That's why we opposed the annulments. They did not un, did not understand until later, when they were more installed in this country, that this this country was giving out annulments like candy. But now they're just really extending that and making it yet more liberal. But uh, you know, in a sense, there's nothing new here. You know, uh, that's that's uh, you know, I think uh, you know what else is new? <laughs> well, the, 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 the Vaticanista who's talking about this, Andrea Sochi, alludes to the fact that there may be a schism. But I suspect, Your Excellency, that you would say that you don't think that's true. You don't think that the conservatives would actually lead some sort of schism. 
no, I, I think that the most they might be capable of is uh, resistance, an R and R thing, recognize and resist. I, I think they might go through something like that, but uh, they have proven themselves over the years to to be able to dig such a tremendous hole in which to place their heads and to not face the reality that is before them, that Vatican II is an abandonment of Roman Catholicism. I mean, never underestimate their ability to dig a, a deeper hole uh, and to blind themselves to, to, to what is before their eyes. Uh, you know, the, because they, they, they see Sadivacantism, which they know is behind the curtain if they go too far. You know, with all of their logical conclusions, they know that is what what faces them. They are so horrified by that. It is as it is as if you know you were some sort of a creature from the deep to be sedevacantist, when in fact it has the support of doctors of the church and great theologians and popes. You know, it's not something that we cooked up. This is something that is is completely based in Catholic theology. And all you need is the ingredient of the heresy of the Pope. I mean, that's all there is, is the fact that this man is a heretic. All the theology and, and, and canon law is there to say the man is not the Pope. But they are horrified by that, that specter. And so they are willing to hem and haw and, well, you know, and, and maybe and if, uh, in order to somehow avoid that conclusion. And, you know, it gets a little tiresome, frankly. Uh, and, you know, they say schism and all. I mean, schism means sedificantism because you don't go into schism against a, a true pope. Otherwise, you slit your throat <laughs> ecclesiastically. <laughs> you know, you know you, you, that means, if they say schism, that means the declaration of, of a vacant state. Yeah, well, so, and, and I think that they're so horrified by it that they'll never do it. Well, they're not yeah. going to do that. And, and if they take the Bishop Fillet route, uh, Your Excellency, they'll they'll write an anxious petition. Uh, Bishop Fillet uh, on Rorante, yeah, we so have a, a headline: Bishop Fillet's anxious petition to Holy Father before the Synod. Annulment reforms will quote open the door to Catholic divorce, and we get Most Holy Father this, Most Holy Father that. Most Holy Father, yes. it ends with, we entrust this humble petition to the patronage of St. John the Baptist, who underwent martyrdom for having publicly defended the sanctity and exclusivity of marriage, even against the scandalous civil authority in a case of divorced and remarried persons. And we pray the precursor, mm -hmm. give your holiness the courage to recall before the whole world the true doctrine concerning natural and Christian marriage. Well, it's a good thing Bishop Fillet's around to remind uh, Francis about uh, what uh, the Christian marriages, and I'm sure he'll take Bishop Fillet's petition into account. He might file it in well, a secret think, file have, afterwards, though. Well, had I well, been a member well, well, of the Society of St. Pius X and faced uh, with that, something like that, I think I, I would have been tempted to uh, put the, uh, as the picture of Bergoglio uh, in the vestibule of my church, to put the, the uh, one in of Bergoglio, student, uh, Bergoglio, his student, and the boyfriend. <laughs> to, to, to remind people exactly where where this the, uh, what you're talking about, most holy Father. Mm. Just a few items on that that silly thing. Uh, number one, they kicked us out over annulments. 
That, that was the, yeah. the very mm-hmm. one of the. So that was and Archbishop Lefebvre himself wrote to the person that was sort of the co-celebra of the whole thing, and said, "Oh, don't pay attention to those priests in America. Just uh, you can lead a life uh, of Catholic marriage, you know, in good conscience." He and he overrode us in that. Excuse me. Yep. I said, "Well, make sure you keep the checks coming." That was maybe at the bottom. Yes. <laughs> yes. But that was, you know, I was the one that discovered it. I was, you know, I won't go into details, but I was doing a big road trip for raising money for the seminary. And somebody happened to say to me, you know, my, my husband was married before. And I said, well, you know, how does that work? Well, we got an annulment. And I said to both of them, you know, we do not recognize these Novus Ordo annulments. That's how the whole thing started. That was in the... Yeah. the uh, well, the there it spring, is, Bishop Sanborn making uh, trouble again. And uh, and so he overrode us in that and, you know, wrote back to her and, you know, don't pay attention to those priests. That's point number one. Point number two is that the Society of St. Pius X long ago set up their own annulment process and their own annulment, quote-unquote, courts, which are very similar to what Bergoglio has. I mean, they don't have the, uh, you know... I mean, they have been giving out annulments themselves, so they can hardly talk about protecting marriage. They don't have any jurisdiction at all to give out a, an annulment. They couldn't give out an annulment to two dogs. The, the, uh, the, I mean, they, they have no jurisdiction. They, they are a suppressed community, uh, according to the Novus Ordo. Uh, and certainly from the point of view of tradition, I mean, they recognize the Novus Ordo hierarchy as having power. So where do they get the power and the jurisdiction to annul someone's marriage and proceed with another matrimony, uh, which is, results in nothing but adultery? Uh, so the well, point number two, point number three. I was going to say, you know, the famous answer to that is going to come from Bishop Tissier and say that the church supplies... <laughs> <laughs> that would be like saying, well, the church supplies for papal authority, and therefore I'm the pope. <laughs> That's the same. You can make the same argument out of it. Uh, the church doesn't supply ordinary jurisdiction in the sense that you, you can't become, you can't be, uh, through, through supply, you can't have a, 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 a habitual jurisdiction and a jurisdiction over something that is of the public forum. That that in nowhere could you possibly justify that. Otherwise, you could make yourself the pope. You could say the church needs a pope. Therefore, supply jurisdiction. I have it. I'm the pope. No. Uh, the, the the third point is a comment of a Novus Ordo priest that I know in Europe, who sent me that that letter of Pele with this comment that here in our part of Europe, uh, we say that the eighth sacrament is stupidity. Mm. <laughs> He's a canonist, by the way. Yes, and, and uh, <laughs> I think that should be pointed out. Yes. Um, on the uh, uh, to uh, back up a little bit, Your Excellency, on the annulment question, and on the. Um, uh, Burkites getting bees in, in their bonnet uh, about this um, uh, the annulment changes. I think one of the um, 
issues that, or one of the explanations that Bishop Dolan and I came up with in, in a discussion not long ago is that, you know, of course, what you say is correct. That I mean, the faith and the Catholic liturgy were uh, destroyed a long time ago. And uh, the people on the right, your wanderer-type conservatives, all went along with that and um, and uh, simply accepted it and, uh, you know, did try to put their heads in the sand. Well, during the um, days of JP2, however, they um, uh, invested a lot of their energy and, and their... Uh, uh, hard-line position on uh, issues related to uh, marriage and the Sixth and Ninth Commandment. And, of course, the people who were conservative and who did that rose in the hierarchy because that that particular idea was, was in during the uh, days of JP2. So you have a whole generation of Novus Ordo clergy and hierarchs who identify themselves as conservative, even though they've uh, don't go along, they, they've they've lost the traditional Catholic faith and an understanding of that a long time ago. Who put all of their stock in the uh, JP two teachings on 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 uh, marriage, but now Bergoglio has has pulled that from under them. And it's, it seemed to be the last thing that they're sort of grasping. And uh, that's, that, I think, is why there's, uh, there's so much squawking about it. Now, as you say, though, Your Excellency, it's not a, um, uh, there's no guarantee that they will actually uh, uh, draw any practical conclusion from this. But that is certainly the reason, uh, I think, why so many of them are upset. Yes, I agree with that. They they did hang on to that last uh, that last stone upon stone, so to speak. That uh, JP two was against abortion, and that he was against mm-hmm. uh, uh, all of these other six and nine things, and uh, therefore he's still Catholic. And well, the rest of it we just have to swallow. Yes, th- that mm-hmm. is true. And now that that stone has fallen off <laughs> the foundation. And uh, so they're left with nothing now. Now there's yeah. you know there's zero, and uh, yeah, you're right about that. You're right about that. Yeah. And uh, I think that's but, that is why they are so upset because it blows up their world. Um, sure. And uh, the, yeah, yes. Whereas if the uh, thing is that fat lot of good it did them anyway, um, mm-hmm. even from from the point of view of convincing the laity, because if you uh, all you have to do is read the latest Pew polls. And you see that the uh, members of uh, the Vatican II late in the United States don't accept those teachings. Uh, the, no. the ones that the um, uh, conservative J.P. Dew bishop so lovingly promoted, people don't. They simply don't. They uh, no. divorce, abortion, homosexuality, contraception, mm-hmm. uh, uh, you name it. Uh, they're all fine mm-hmm. with that. So it's, it's, mm-hmm. it's mm-hmm. that the uh, the the, the uh, JP2 hierarchs in the middle are sort of the uh, are, end up being the dinosaurs between uh, the theor- their theoretical flock in America and uh, you know Francis the Fabulous. <laughs> well, 
Well, in addition to that, we have all of the all of the feedback that came from the visit itself. Um, I, I probably thought the leading headline among the heading that that Father had put um, Francis in the U.S. colon Obama's socialist homeboy. The, the headline from the Federalist, which is a, a blog entitled Che Guevara's Pope. Um, probably very reasonably uh, argued. Father, among, yeah. I, again, there's way too many, there's way too many uh, articles to get into here, but can you pick up, pick out two or three things that the writers were, were seeing in Francis's visit to America and, and his promotion of, shall we say, socialism? Well, uh, and the interesting thing is, this is all coming from the outside, uh, that that uh, people who uh, uh, write in the secular press uh, c- clearly uh, perceive Francis as a political leftist, as um, uh, someone who is, is a watermelon, as they say, who is green on the outside and red in the inside, and that he is, is uh, promoting the leftist social program. And that was the whole read that every uh, that that the the uh, popular uh, press uh, uh, had from his um, uh, from his address to Congress that they were quite quite um, uh, you know convinced that uh, he was someone who was uh, was in fact uh, promoting the um, uh, the leftist party line and that. Uh, the, the the commentators perceived this and uh, uh, analyzed it, looked upon it as as you know a great uh, as a, in effect great victory for uh, promoting the i the the um, uh, the interests of, uh, of of the left in the United States and indeed throughout the world. So this this is the sort of thing, as I say, that's not limited to. Um, uh, Conservative Catholics are certainly not limited to sedeva contests, you know. And, and some of the the um, uh, some of the writing on the part of uh, secular uh, secular writers is is really quite quite um, uh, sharp, you know. They, they one of them, um, I think, is a woman from a Catholic background, but she talks about. Uh, Francis is someone who who is who is megalomania without borders, you know that uh, despite all of the all of, despite the warm and and fuzzy appearance, that uh, you know he's he's a manipulator of the uh, media, and that uh, he uh, because he he um, uh, comes from. Uh, does not come from, say, Western Europe. It does not come from uh, the United States. That uh, he has uh, uh, a, a uh, intractable prejudice uh, against uh, anything that doesn't fit into the uh, socialist categories. So it's, it's uh, quite uh, astounding that, uh, that he. Uh, he's seen as the carrier of a secular agenda, uh, and it's the secular agenda of globalism and the, the global left, and that's what he is perceived to be pushing. It's quite, quite, uh, quite something.
I think what was interesting is that all of the things he didn't say to the Congress, uh, he uh, essentially it could have been, you know, the head of the UN that gave the speech. Uh, he yeah. promoted all of the leftist agenda. I mean, if he, it was as if he was in the pay of the Democratic Party uh, to to just promote all of the leftist agenda. He did not mention abortion, although the only time he brought up a, a you know a, a question of life was in protecting the criminals from being uh, executed, people who have brutally mur- murdered other people, uh, that they should be spared, you know, which is a handful in comparison to the 50 million babies that have been uh, aborted in this country, and uh, nothing about funding Planned Parenthood. Uh, nothing about uh, homosexual marriages. Uh, All of those things were, uh, or of the uh, fight of the bishops to uh, protect the the, uh, Catholic institutions from having to insure uh, for contraception. Nothing at all. Zero. Uh, But all of this, you know, climate and all of that, and, uh, you know, it's the whole thing was, you know, a better world. Uh, and really, that's all he talks about. He doesn't talk about God. Uh, he, uh, I don't think he once mentioned the name of Jesus. I don't think uh, that ever came up. Uh, and uh, but he's, uh, I would be willing to recognize him as a, a better world church pope, the pope of the better world church. I, I would. Uh, you know, I think uh, that kind of, uh, that's what he is. I mean, it, 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 it is a purely leftist socialist agenda. That's what, that's what, uh, sort of the socialist religion is to make a better world for mankind. It's the humanity religion, socialism. That's what he is. I, I think that I, I think that the, uh, it's the sort of uh, globalism that in the time of Rockefeller, uh, Nelson Rockefeller, were, who had similar uh, similar uh, global uh, leftist types of ideas, where the um, reporters referred to it as bomb fog, which stood mm-hmm. um, as uh, stood for the brotherhood of man and the fatherhood of God, and mm. you never got more specific than uh, than that as far as God goes. Yeah, well, I, I don't think did, we even got that far. <laughs> yeah. Well, although he did mention God in in a speech, there's another one of these articles that um, is entitled, and again, mainstream U.S. News and World Report. Pope Francis mm-hmm. just echoed Obama's offensive prayer breakfast remarks. So he said that the um, uh, Obama got into trouble. Uh, back in February, if we're talking about um, uh, what he said was religious extremism. But then uh, Francis talks about this in his uh, speech to Congress, where he says, Our world is increasingly a place of violent conflict, hatred, and brutal atrocities committed even in the name of God and of religion. We know that no religion is immune from forms of individual uh, delusion or ideological extremism. This means we must be especially attentive to every type of fundamentalism, whether religious or of any kind. Mm-hmm. So, the uh, uh, we know what he's talking about fundamentalism, 
And mm-hmm. the the uh, idea is is that as that is aimed at, and he he has used this against uh, Catholics who uh, maintain uh, or, or try to maintain principles of traditional Catholic doctrine, that he refers to them as rigid and fundamentalist. Mm-hmm. So yes, yes. here, you know, we have him speaking to the the. Um, uh, in effect, the agenda of uh, uh, the agenda again of the uh, uh, secular left of types types like uh, Obama, who identify um, in, in, uh, strong adherence to religious principles as fundamentalism and as extremism, and want to outlaw it. Law it. Yes, I think that's the program ultimately of the Antichrist, whoever he should be, that that will come, and is the that there will be a a state religion or a world religion or you know group of religions which are stripped of what they would call fundamentalism. Everyone's ecumenical. Everyone is quote unquote peace loving and uh, you know not homophobic, and you know who have all the wonderful qualifications that they should have. And then the fundamentalist religions will be persecuted to a greater or lesser extent. And that will be ourselves and and anybody else that happens to believe in in a transcendent God and in objective morality. And that is uh, all of the writings, in fact, that one sees about the um, uh, age of the Antichrist, you know, especially within... Mm -hmm. Uh, the past uh, 100 or 150 years, where the authors talk precisely, uh, precisely about a situation like that, that you end up with a dogmaless, uh, essentially a dogmaless religion. Mm-hmm. As Bishop Sanborn was talking about all of the opportunities that Francis had to to speak on issues in America, I think I felt for the first time this idea of uh, lost opportunity. Um, Bishop Sanborn brought this up again with. Uh, way back with Bishop Williamson when the whole controversy was going on about his uh, comments about historical events. And Bishop Sanborn mm-hmm. said, you know, Bishop Williamson could call a press conference and say that, you know, Vatican II's, you know, uh, a disaster, a lie, it's fake. Uh, the new mass is a lie, it's fake, here's why. Um, because all of the press was focused on him. And could you imagine... And obviously, we can't imagine this within the person of Francis, but in an alternate universe, when a Catholic pope shows up in America, he condemns the recent legislation uh, which uh, allowed for homo- so-called homosexual unions. He would have condemned Planned Parenthood and said that uh, it encouraged some sort of Catholic action in order to get it defunded. He would have condemned mm-hmm. any actions of the president supporting any of this. Uh, all of these opportunities... Well, I would say this is Bishop Sanborn's favorite pastime is condemnation. But all of these yes. opportunities to condemn, uh, Bishop Sanborn, you must just be, you know, at a loss. He had all of these opportunities to condemn, and he yes. didn't do it. Didn't do it. And, and the media would have been there to eat it up because, it, you know, it would have been mm-hmm. so controversial. And, and all that message mm-hmm. would have resonated worldwide. But instead, we're getting all yes. of these other things and more of the same. Mm-hmm. Well, he would not have been invited to speak to Congress. He probably would not have been invited even to be in this country if he had the reputation for condemning modern errors. Hmm. You know, he would probably have to uh, go around incognito in a sweatshirt so as not to be shot or killed. 
you know, the uh, if if he really were to take on the modern world, he would be uh, like a hunted animal. Well, he'd probably dress up like uh, an immigrant and try to cross the Rio Grande, uh, Your Excellency, and that way he would he would show his solidarity. He's he's just a normal guy like the rest of us. He goes out shopping for glasses uh, like the rest of yes. us. Um, yes. Father, Father, yes. what did you make of that? I, I know, actually, I know you and Bishop Sanborn wear glasses. I mean, do you do you tell people about where you go glasses shopping when you? <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe we could make this a feature on uh, you know Francis Watch. Uh, <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, yes. Why Father Chicago go to the optometrist? <laughs> yeah, Father Chicago goes yes. to the optometrist. Well, it's more, um, uh, you know, it's more of this 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 hammy. Uh, uh, humility hot dogging. You know that it's it, the uh, uh, idea is that he is promoting his brand as being uh, someone who is is uh, so humble. And this this nonsense keeps on coming up, and uh, it, you see it referred to uh, in the press. You know the secular press, where they talk all the time about uh, Francis's humility. But, you know, as we've said a number of times before, you, um, you don't draw attention to yourself, and you try to blend in, and you do not do things that are uh, regarded as exceptional in your state of life to draw attention to yourself, because that is the opposite of humility. So he goes over to, um, uh, you know, uh, um, lens crafters or something. Well, if uh, you're supposedly the Pope, you think that's not going to end up in the press? Mm-hmm. It doesn't, uh, you know, it doesn't make any sense, uh, you know, uh, in terms of a traditional understanding of of humility. So they had the, the uh, other part of the humility ham that was served up was the um, uh, chair that he uh, used in uh, New York, from Mass in New York. So uh, this it was an awful monstrosity. And, uh, you know, well, it was done by immigrants. Uh, immigrants made it. Well, uh, I think uh, the I implied was that they were also illegal immigrants. And that, well, here's a picture of it. It's very simple. There's no ornamentation. And, you know, we have a simple whiteness, a simple white cushion, and only a simple design and everything. It looked like the Florida electric chair. It looked like old Sparky. <laughs> if only, and, if which only is located in Starkey, by the well, way. Well, that, that's what but I said. Sparky I was actually Starkey, back. just so you know. Sparky's and Starkey, okay. Starkey <laughs> is the name of the place where Sparky is. <laughs> so I had a, 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 someone was commenting this on, about this on a traditional site, and uh, I occasionally intervene on some of these traditional uh, discussion sites. So m- my opinion of it, or the, the opinion that I put down, uh, said that, well, all it needs is electrodes and a beanie. And then as far as I'm concerned, an <laughs> electric beanie Ready to it would go. be perfect. <laughs> so this, so the, the character who runs this site uh, decided that this was advocating violence against our beloved Holy Father and banned me for 14 days. <laughs> <laughs> you got sent. You got sent to the timeout corner, Father. 
Yeah, I got sent to the timeout corner. That's absolutely hilarious. But that's what it looked like. And uh, there's this elaborate, uh, uh, elaborate publicity given to the idea of how humble Bergoglio is. Uh, I mean, it's it's uh, it's absolutely ridiculous. Uh, absolutely ridiculous. So. <laughs> Well, and, and, and this, the, art, the, the article was reported in Time Magazine, so if you're interested in, in reading a little bit more about this story, you can just search for Pope Francis Goes Shopping for New Glasses Time on Google, and it's on, it's on Time Magazine. And I thought the, the end of the article was very revelatory as well, because it talked about, and I want to use that to pivot to, to talk about something else, here since the other. Uh, it says here, a German tourist visiting Rome with his father said he was stunned to see the Pope in the shop trying on the glasses, especially after he waited for four hours earlier in the day in vain to climb to the top of St. Peter's Basilica. There were too many people, and also the President of Israel was visiting, and there were so many police officers, so it was too much for us, and we went back to the hotel. I told my father, hey, that was better than going to St. Peter's home, seeing the Pope in a shop trying on new glasses. Um, it's like, well, who cares about, you know, uh, brilliant architecture and uh, a wonderful church? You know, let's just go see a personality try on glasses, you know, the idea of sovereign pontiff as celebrity. And, uh, you know, people are, are trying to herald the so-called Francis effect. And one of the articles uh, you had uh, in our collection, Father Chicada, was uh, this, this gentleman, uh, Novus Ordo Bishop David M. O'Connell. And he was trying to address this. And he says, because uh, he's talking about uh, people being um, uh, enamored with Francis. He says, to be sure, the Pope's enormous popularity provides the church with an extraordinary opportunity to communicate its message and spread the faith. But will that outpouring of affection translate into more lapsed Catholics returning to Mass and embracing what the church teaches and believes? O'Connell, for one, doesn't see hard evidence that is happening so far. At the end of the day, the quote-unquote Francis effect has to be evaluated by its ability to transform and convert people into people of faith who go to church and participate in the life of the church. So far, everybody loves Francis, but there's no difference in the pew, he said. What, he, what we're realizing is it's going to take more time than we thought. <laughs> it's not a criticism yeah. of Francis, but it's a sure is. of people of faith. Don't tell me you love me. Show me. So yeah, I, well. show me, he's, asking, he's, a, he's asking people to show him the love. It's time to start showing at the church. You love Francis, so that means you're going to go back to Mass, right? Right, Your Excellency? <laughs> well, that, that reminds me of the evolutionists who, when, when, when they have a problem with, you know, the development of some creature, they just add up another billion years. You know, <laughs> they, uh, you know, what's, what's a billion years? So we need more time, more Vatican II. We need another dose in the arm of Vatican II. Get the big needle and shove it in. And and then ev everything is going to turn out all right. You see? And uh, yeah, that, that's uh, you know, the people who love him are the people who have given up the faith. The people who are still in the Novus Ordo and retain the Catholic faith—that is, they they adhere to Catholic dogmas—they can't stand him. They can't stand him. I, I know one priest, one Novus Ordo priest who will remain anonymous. Uh, I said, uh, will you be going to the festivities? And he said, no, I have to get my hats blocked that day. <laughs> and, uh, but, you know, the, the people who have retained the Catholic faith can't stand him. 
uh, and uh, but the the ones that have given it up, they, they like him because he's one of them. You know, finally he's come around, and the, and the Catholic Church, so, so to speak, has come around to them. That's why he's uh, so popular. So, I mean, there's, there's not going to be any effect. And if they go to the new mass, it's not a, because they have the faith, or it's, it's not some resurgence of the Catholic faith. It's just the resurgence of a heresy. That's all. Uh, a resurgence of an apostasy. But you're, you're not going to see people uh, going to the new mass, you know, because they're all all full of religion now. No, they, they, he, he is making a religion of, of the world and, and uh, of of sexual perversions and everything else that that the modern world loves. And, you know, you don't find that in, in a church. It's uh, uh, the uh, shallow modern cult of the personality. And it's, it's, uh, uh, it's the cult of the image. It's the image that uh, Francis um, projects. And the, the, uh, the type of um, personality that he pre- uh, projects is, uh, you know, this is a very uh, attractive, friendly type of personality. I mean, he was referred to in Argentina. I mean, he's a, he's a real sourpuss. I mean, he was referred to as the, the bulldog. In uh, because of the uh, his his as, as someone who never smiles, but as he's developed this personality, uh, this this public persona now, uh, realizing that uh, you have to do that to um, uh, build up the momentum for change, for further revolutionary change in the post-Vatican II Church. So this, this, this image of him uh, this, uh, that has, uh, uh, that's promoted in the press and the social media, uh, etc., is very useful for doing it. It's, uh, as, as Excellency says, it's not going to win people to the Catholic faith, because it's... it's um, uh, what he is saying does not appeal to people who are interested in the Catholic faith. It just uh, draws people to the world, and uh, his uh, it's 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 shot through with this um, uh, surface, this uh, uh, shallowness. It, you know, he uh, could be any other sort of uh, media personality, someone who is who is famous in effect for being famous. Uh, so, I mean, he uses this as uh, t- uh, to promote his his particular program, which is a revolution in the Catholic faith. But it is not going to, in the long run, uh, draw people back to church. It's the the uh, Francis effect is uh, uh, pure, purely a, a a flash in pan on the surface, uh, as it were. But it 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 will it does energize those people in the Novus Ordo Church who really want a complete revolution. Excuse me? Bring them back to what church? Yeah. You know, I mean, that's a whole other issue. What church? You're just going to find more apostasy in those buildings. Mm-hmm. You know, the whole thing is shot from head to toe. Uh, you know, you know. <laughs> so, you know, it's not, there's no resurgence of Catholicism. And if he had defended the Catholic faith while he was here, or if he had the reputation of defending the Catholic faith, you would have, you would not have seen those throngs. He would have been vilified by the press. 
people would have called him, you know, a dinosaur from the Middle Ages and so forth. Uh, he would have been very unpopular, except with the people who still retain Catholic dogma. Well, and to and to uh, Father Chicada's point about the cult of personality, um, I would refer to the T-shirt index. One of these articles was talking about the the number of T-shirts made of Francis, and that he has way more T-shirts made of him than uh, Ratzinger. And JP two is a big T-shirt seller too. But one of the the big designs is the picture of if you remember that uh, campaign image from Obama's first presidential campaign your excellency where it said hope and he was in this sort of red and white yeah well they've got that at Francis now and it says Pope at the bottom Uh, and that's uh, that's where it looks remarkably like uh, Lenin and and, uh, communist uh, posters it doesn't I'm sure he likes that or like Che Guevara for example looks exactly like that um, yeah. I, I well, what we should what we should do is is now this is a great uh, PR marketing opportunity that we should build on that suggestion and so you do one of those uh, nearly the same type of uh, T-shirt which has the, uh, the picture of Francis and then at uh, the top it says Pope with a question mark and at the bottom it says No <laughs> with an exclamation point. <laughs> I like that. Um, yeah. Look out for that. Maybe, that might sell. <laughs> maybe in the True Restoration Media store for uh, for Christmas, just in time, Father. I'll for Christmas. <laughs> all, all, don't, all, all proceeds go to SGG Resources. Um, I, I want to revisit. There are some of the regular, what we call the regular monthly themes that we see. I Rather than spend too much time on it on this episode, I just want to recapture. I want to capture some of the headlines. Faith as Encounter, you can find that at Vatican Insider. Uh, How do you cease to be a Christian? By not forgiving. Also, Vatican Insider. Fundamentalism is bad. You can find that on Crux Now. Rigidity is bad. You can find that on the Vatican website. Openness is good. Again, on the Vatican website. And theology must never be divorced from pastoral ministry. We know what that means. Um, but uh, unless you get an annulment, right? Exactly. <laughs> it can be annulled. Directly, then it can't it's be divorced. It can be annulled. On on the official Vatican website, there was a story: Pope Francis tells single mother, "You respected life." Uh, ellipse. Don't be ashamed. And the quote was: This woman. Uh, it was a sort of a online um, video conference, and she said. I felt guilty at times and ashamed. I've made some mistakes as a person and as a mother, but every day I try and I hope and I pray. Mm-hmm. And his response was, I know that people can sometimes look askance at you, the Pope said. You're a brave woman because you're capable of bringing these two daughters into the world. You respected the life that you were carrying inside you. God is going to reward you for that. And he does reward you for that. Don't be ashamed. I congratulate you. Well, I mean, isn't that all true, Your Excellency? Wouldn't you have said that to to a single woman, to a single mother who had uh, who had told you that? No. Well, I mean, it is true that if she brings a, you know, the fact that she does not abort her her children is she's, you know, that's something to commend her for. Uh, but the the she should be reprimanded for having conceive the children outside of wedlock to begin with. 
you know, so, you know, there, there's a, there's a twofold aspect to it. Uh, it today it's, it's remarkable that, uh, children begotten out of wedlock are brought to, to, uh, birth. Uh, that, that's a remarkable thing. Uh, but, uh, it, it is a shameful thing that, that children are, uh, conceived out of wedlock, uh, in, in, uh, you know, before the council, you would send away somebody that was pregnant before, you know, out of wedlock. You would not see the person for a long, long time. And the baby usually would be given away and then the mother would come back and nobody knew anything. Uh, it was considered a very shameful thing. And now it's considered, well, you know, have a baby. Uh, and there's even showers and, and all sorts of other things. Uh, it, it's as if... But, you know, once you destroy marriage with the annulments anyway, well, then who cares? And, and you know, as long as you have homosexual marriages, who cares about that either? You know, who cares? It's a, a uh, you know, that is uh, exactly the problem, that the uh, uh, everything else seems to have, have, have uh, fallen apart, so it's not his, Francis's reaction is not, uh, you know, particularly surprising uh, with regard to the incident that you mentioned. Obviously, you know, as a priest, you do try to uh, help people who have uh, fallen into sin, and you would uh, uh, try to uh, help someone in a situation like that, a, a mother who had uh, children outside of wedlock, to, to raise them properly, uh, etc. But you um, would... You, it's 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 a condemnation, I think, of our society to treat something like that as as normal. Um, I was reading t- uh, uh, in the an article in the past couple of days about the uh, soci- uh, sociologist, um, uh, Catholic man, actually, uh, with a reputation as a liberal who ended up working with uh, the Nixon administration. Uh, and he was a senator from New York, uh, Daniel Patrick Moynihan. Uh, he was actually very famous for a study he did of um, the what to do with uh, the problems in black families in uh, the 1960s. And he had a um, uh, he had a number of um, uh, made a number of uh, interesting points that uh, he he tried to um, get across, but one of his his um, uh, sayings, uh, his his analyses of, of, of the problems of that time, uh, has actually become rather famous. He said that the the uh, the problem now in, in in black family life, and now we can say the problem now in uh, everyone's family life as a result of the social re- uh, revolution is that a society is defining deviancy down. Defining mm. deviancy down. And that's a very good... Um, that certainly applies to this situation, that um, a child out of wedlock is not... Uh, having a child out of wedlock is considered completely normal. It's not considered deviant anymore. And that, that uh, 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 certainly... Um, uh, all of the other aberrations that uh, we face and that Francis is countenancing are not considered deviant anymore because the mm-hmm. standard has uh, been lowered, as we know. 
Well, along mm-hmm. the lines of that defining deviancy down, Father, did you have a chance to look over that Pew Research Center poll um, about well, I mean, uh, it's, Catholic it's, beliefs it's, it's, about sin? That that is that's more of the same exactly of of uh, uh, you know of, of oh, it conf- confirms what we have been uh, what we've been talking about uh, all along here that the uh, as uh, as a result of uh, Vatican II and as a result of the. Um, uh, changes and the the general downward trend of uh, downward trend of society that the people in the modernist church really have um, uh, no more of a um, uh, proper consciousness of of sin and evil than other people in the world have. So you have, uh, for instance, the if you is it sinful? The question is asked. Pew is always very interesting. Is it sinful to have an abortion? Okay, so fifty-seven percent of Catholics say yes, twenty-three percent say no. Uh, that's versus forty-eight percent and twenty-two among the general public. Engage in homosexual behavior among uh, Catholics. Forty-four percent say it is. Um, uh, sinful, 39% say, no, it's not. Uh, and that's about the same as the general public. The uh, re- remarrying after divorce without an annulment, only 35% of Catholics say that it is um, uh, uh, sinful. Uh, 49%, the majority now say that uh, it's it's not. Living with a romantic partner outside of marriage, 33% of Catholics say that it's it's um, it is sinful. 54 uh, uh, say that it's not. In fact, if you compare it to the uh, stats in the other column among the general um, population, that more Catholics say that it's it's uh, uh, not a sin than members of the general public do. Uh, they're at only 40%. Uh, the divorce, 61% of Catholics say that there's nothing wrong with it. Uh, that's 10% more than among the general public. And um, the uh, use of contraceptives, uh, 17% of Catholics say that it's a sin. 66% say it's no. Among the general public, 10% say that it is, but 63% uh, say that it's not. So there are more Catholics who believe that it's uh, not a sin to use contraceptives than people among the general public. So that's really a, a uh, you know, it, it sums up the effects of all those wonderful springtime changes of Vatican II, where, uh, where morality has practically speaking, gone out the window, and that uh, Catholics are not simply not better than the general U.S. public when it comes to considering certain things to be sins, but actually are worse when it comes to considering them to be sins. It's quite shocking, but uh, in one sense, or it should be. And and, and another sort of uh, no no intellectual consistency line uh, 
Father, I noticed that in uh, they had a ton of surveys. On the white evangelical Protestants, sinful to have an abortion, they have the highest yes, 72% of any other demographical groups. So Catholics, ex-Catholics, unaffiliated, white, Hispanic, Republican. But if you walk all the way over, sinful to use contraceptives, 9%, one of the lowest. <laughs> so they manage to focus on this issue, abortion, 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 and they see no connection to the use of contraception. And it's just this uh, complete complete uh, divorce from reality. Mm-hmm. Complete, uh, complete disconnect. And, uh, of course, uh, if you uh, had asked that um, if you had asked that question maybe a hundred years ago, uh, you probably would have gotten quite a different answer. Mm. That's when it was illegal. Yes. <laughs> yes. Contraceptive devices it was illegal. that were illegal. You couldn't buy them. Druggists yep. would get in trouble if they sold them. Um, yeah, also, and abortion was illegal, too. Yep. And uh, it was shameful if a doctor did an abortion. He was like some sort of a you know, uh, a criminal doctor. Well, in fact, he was. You know, they could get arrested for it. That, that was in, in the fact. Even. In fact, the Hippocratic oath that all doctors took said they wouldn't uh, perform an abortion, mm-hmm. which is uh, quite astounding. Yes. No, the contraception is intimately associated with abortion because uh, it means abortion is quote unquote justified if human beings have complete control over the process of generation and conception. See, so what What would, you know, if a woman says, well, it's my baby, it's my flesh, it's in my, in my womb, and therefore I can do whatever I want with it, that the implicit principle is, well, the, she is in charge of the generative process. It's mm-hmm. contraception that, that makes that principle. The, Contraception is based on that principle, I can conceive or not as I will, and I can put an obstacle to conception as I will because it does not come under the uh, auspices of God, but rather it's completely in my domain. So the uh, abortion and contraception are intimately associated, yet there's many people who are avidly anti-abortion who are uh, eating birth control pills every day. Well, Your Excellency Father, it's uh, it's the technically the September Francis Watch, but we have two more left in this season before we get into the new year and the new season. Um, can you reflect a bit on on what has uh, happened so far and what we can expect in the final two months of this year? <laughs> Boy, it's anybody's guess. After I thought this was a family show. <laughs> <laughs> Well, as far as you can, shall we say, then, Your Excellency. <laughs> oh, my. Um, well, the uh, you know, what can I say? All our predictions about Francis so far have come true. And uh, in, in spades, as they would say, because the... Um, uh, it, it has been a, a truly wild ride uh, since March of uh, 2013, and the, the the revolution has picked up speed and has continued to roll along. 
and this this month of October with the synod should uh, should be a particularly wild month. So we'll uh, wait and see, and and uh, I'm sure we'll have plenty of material by the time the show rolls around again at the end of October. Yes, I, I couldn't add much to that. Uh, the synod will be the, the main event. Uh, it uh, certainly, if Bergoglio has his way, uh, it will be uh, very radical, very left-wing. Will make some very, very dramatic changes. Uh, however, perhaps uh, you know some pressure will be put upon him to uh, not make uh, too many uh, changes. Uh, it's really very hard to predict. And uh, but I, I think uh, Bergoglio, given his determination, will do whatever he pleases, and uh, he will not give any heed to the conservatives who are trying to block it. Uh, if I had to guess, and uh, what the conservatives will do, uh, I think the 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 hole will get deeper, and they they will somehow live with whatever ever he does. I, I that, you know I maybe I'm a little cynical, but. Uh, you know, if they haven't done anything by now, uh, uh, I think they will just follow orders. You know, as <laughs> you know, I think that was brought up at Nuremberg. <laughs> uh, they they will just you know go along with the program. Uh, in the end, there'll be a lot of grumbling, perhaps, but they will go along with the program. In uh, uh, addition to what you've said, uh, Your Excellency, about uh, what uh, what. Could expect recently there is a uh, uh, within the past few days there is another report on Rorate that talked about uh, how in fact uh, Bergoglio has a group of Jesuits who are headed by the um, uh, head of Civilta Cattolica, Father Spadaro, who did the initial horrifying uh, interview with Bergoglio, and that the, there's a, this group of, of Jesuits who, in fact, are working on a document uh, which it is suspected will be the uh, uh, document with which uh, uh, Bergoglio sums up the Synod and uh, uh, lays down the law for practical programs. So it seems that uh, despite all of the talk about openness, uh, et cetera, that uh, the fix is in in advance and that there is a prepared text that uh, Bergoglio wants to go with. So that will be very interesting. Uh, very interesting. Also, he has of, uh, stacked the, the synod with bishops in favor of his program, and he has excluded those who are opposed to him. Yeah. So, you know, I, and, I think that says something about the outcome. And and the the uh, no, the final report, his um, uh, legislation, as it were, uh, the end of it is, uh, and what he wants to implement is already in the process of being written. So uh, that uh, I think is what we're looking at. So if I were a conservative. Uh, I think I would either save my airfare or spend my time in some Italian restaurants because the conclusion is, is uh, foregone to this one, I think. Well, your see, Father, what's the uh, latest at the seminary and up at St. Gertrude's? Well, I, I always say the same thing. There's absolutely nothing happening here that is of any interest to anybody. <laughs> Uh, except courses, you know, uh, 
they, they well, you do have a load this year, Your Excellency. Well, yes and no. I'm doing church history, which re- requires a great deal of preparation. And it's the hardest period, which is the period from 1878 to 1958, because there is so much written. Uh, and you have to plow through all of these, these details and in various languages. I'm reading in, in French, Italian, and German, uh, as well as English. And, uh, you know, it, it is a challenge. I don't have all the dogma courses. I've done all of them. I've given all those courses to, to the uh, young ones. And uh, you know, all of the preparation that I did for those, they have now. So they don't have to do any of that. Uh, but, uh, so, but I got this in my lap, the church history and, uh, I don't know exactly. Well, anyway, I have, it's very interesting. I, I, you know, I I don't mind it in that sense, but it's, uh, although I don't have many hours in the classroom, I have a lot of hours outside of the classroom. Uh, So so I have to do seven years of that. So I've got, uh, I feel like, uh, Jacob in the Old Testament, where he's told he's got to wait another seven years uh, for Rachel. Uh, (laughs) Here I thought I was going to just sort of sit in a rocking chair and, and, you know, uh, and watch everybody else perform. But now I've got uh, seven years of church history to do. (laughs) My. (laughs) Well, uh, uh, for... St. Gertrude's, I spent the, actually spent the, the past week down at the seminary, and then uh, we uh, started a few weeks ago our what we call sort of the season. In other words, the, the um, there are, believe it or not, more liturgical uh, functions at uh, St. Gertrude following the course of the liturgical year. We had Angel Sunday last Sunday with the uh, blessing of children, uh, and then uh, this coming Sunday is a, a Rosary Sunday. We have our Rosary procession outside, and Father Charles McGuire is uh, going to uh, address the Rosary Confraternity. He's uh, going to give them a little talk about how his um, uh, journey toward the priesthood went, and it's a story which I'm sure many uh, people here have never heard and will be uh, will be very interested. Uh, very in- interested indeed to hear. So that is our um, uh, that is uh, so far. And then at the end of the month, uh, for the weekend of the Feast of Christ the King, we're going to have our traditional forty hours devotion uh, that uh, will begin on the, the Friday before the Feast of Christ the King, and that will conclude the evening of the Feast of Christ the King. So it will be an action-packed month at St. Gertrude. And this is in addition to a a trip to teach down at the seminary again. So there's a lot to do. Well, and as usual, Father Mm -hmm. will be offering up the warmer weather uh, in Florida as as the weather gets colder in Ohio. This is the time of year that uh, you engage in that aesthetical practice, uh, Father. Yeah, uh, it's... It's the great season for teaching canon law, let me tell you. So. <laughs> theology is theology of warmth, one might say. Yeah, yes, that's right. <laughs> so, Well, Your Excellency, Father, as always, thanks for joining us. Thanks for taking the time to review the horrifying acts of this non-pontificate. And we'll just watch. Thanks so much. 
God bless you. Thank you. Thank you. I want to remind our listeners that if you have any questions for His Excellency or Father, you can submit them via email, francis.watch at truerestoration.org. Francis Watch is a production of the Restoration Radio Network. All rights are reserved, and any duplication without explicit written permission is forbidden. Permission can be obtained by writing to mail, M-A-I-L, at truerestoration.org. All of us here at the Restoration Radio Network would ask that if you found this show to be informative, helpful, or in any way beneficial to you and to your faith, you please consider sending a note of thanks to the clergy who helped make our network worthwhile. Remember that above and beyond material contributions, the most important donation you can make to our work here is prayer. Please think of offering a mass, a rosary, or even a simple ave for our work the next time that you pray. For the restoration, I am Stephen Heiner, and God bless you. Mm-hmm.